Why the left are not stupid. The election criteria never mentioned. Why I love America. And remembering a great man. Irishman stands with America. This is Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on the Blaze Radio Network. Hello, America. Thank you so much for tuning in today. This, of course, is the show exclusive to the Blaze, where you come for the action, but you stay for the principles. We have a jam-packed show for you today. I've got a a lot of principles I want to discuss with you, and I want to also talk to you from the heart. Um... I apologize if this show isn't as up to the normal standards. There's been a lot of things happening this week, and I'll talk to you about them later in the show. But before we get to the the hard stuff and the stuff I really want to talk to you about, I want to talk to you about some principles. You know, one of the... I had a conversation on Twitter earlier in the week with someone who I'm potentially engaging with, and uh, just about American politics, and they're a new fan of the show, new listener of the show, and... They said, you know, look, I've got this question for you. I'd love to, I know you don't talk politics, you break everything down to a principal point of view, but, you know, I'd love your opinion on the right in America today. You know, if there's one thing that they do that annoys you, and it's a, that you think is a huge mistake, what would it be? And I actually want to answer this question, I answered it privately to this person, but I want to answer it because I think it's such a key question. There are many things that y'all do that I think are mistakes, you know, you don't share a narrative, you know, we've spoken on this show at length about, you know, you don't talk about the Constitution enough, you don't speak about, you know, illegal immigration over illegal immigration, Um, but there are other issues I want to talk to you about. And one of the issues I've started to see crop up, and it's all driven and it's brought by, by one person, this lady Cortez from New York. And the mistake I see, and it's this is not a, a modern thing, this is not a, like a, a mistake over the last year, two years, three years, in case you're thinking, well, this is a, you know, somehow John's going to start attacking on Donald Trump. This has been a mistake, publicly and privately, I've said this to people, for as long as I've been in politics. And that's 19 years now. Jeez, I feel old. And that mistake is, when you see people from the left, quote-unquote, It's easy to look at them, like you're doing with Cortez at the minute, and go, she's stupid. She's dumb as a box of rocks. And you're all doing it. I've seen some memes. Some are funny. Some are just stupid. But they're all making her out to be dumb. And that you, there's this movement that through social media, I don't know whether it's, it's planned or whether it's organized or what it is or if it's just organic. But there's this easiness thing to go, hey, they're stupid. You believe in socialism. You're stupid. You're you're hypocritical. You've changed your positions. You're clearly stupid. You don't know what you're talking about. I could not disagree with that point any more. Like, of all the things I disagree with many people with, I don't think there's a bigger disagreement. Because I think you're fundamentally not only wrong, but I think you're doing the movement a great disservice. Let me explain why. 
There are many words I would use to describe this Cortez girl and many other of them. Stupid is not one of them. Naive? Sure. Ignorant of certain principles? Maybe. Possibly. Not sure. Inconsistent? Absolutely. Hypocritical? Absolutely. But those are not just words that I would use to describe her. I would use these words to describe a lot of people on the right as well. But this is where you have to understand the principles that are involved and why principles are so key to understanding why they are not stupid. First of all, is there dumb politicians in D.C.? Because people are going to say, well, what about so-and-so? Look, I don't know a lot of these politicians personally. I don't want to know. Some of them may be stupid. Some of them may be incredibly smart. It's, you know, there's obviously going to be a statistic in there somewhere that there's going to be X amount of stupid people if you have, a you know, 500 people. There's always going to be X amount who are stupid, X amount who are genius, X amount who are really dull, X amount who are boring, X amount who are really brave, who are adventurous. It's always going to happen. Congress is no different. But are they automatically dumb because they believe in socialism, because they believe in a failed ideology that has never worked anywhere? No. Not if you understand principles. And let me explain why I say this. First of all, they are very smart. They are very smart because either they know directly themselves or they are smart enough to know their limitations and listen to the advisors around them. Because what they have to do is share a narrative. They have to create a narrative. They don't want anything ever to be based on facts. They want everything to be based on emotion. How you feel to get that reaction from you. What they want to do is paint this story of how you need them. How this story always is the same, whether it's the left or whether it's the right. How you need government. The government is the great equalizer. How that you can look at a situation and go, there's a role for government in there and this is this. They're also very smart in the way they portray that story because, again, they may be smart directly or they may be smart enough to listen to advisors of how they share a narrative and how much they share and when. A prime example of this is, look at how, and I don't want to go into this issue today because we discussed it last week and, and over many other shows, abortion. Look at how, what the left said about abortion 10 years ago and look at what they're saying now. Ten years ago, I was involved in these discussions. Ten years ago, you would say, well, what about abortion? And you go, well, no, I'm pro-life. I believe the baby has a right to live. And guess what would happen? They'd automatically go to that one section of society. They'd share the narrative. It wouldn't be about abortion at all. It'd be about the smallest, smallest minority of abortions. Yeah, but John, what about rape and incest? Because how would you like it if you were raped and you were impregnated? Would you want to carry that baby? What about if you're raped or, you know, raped by your uncle or your aunt? Well, not your aunt, sorry, your uncle, your cousin, your father. Are you telling me you'd really make that, that young girl carry that baby? They played to the narrative. That was 10 years ago. That's not that long ago. We're not talking about back in the Wild West when George Washington was around, they used to say this. No, this is 10 years ago when Barack Obama was president. Today, you can pretty much abort it up until birth. Look at it, what, how it's changed. It's, what's that word they, oh yes, it's progressed. You always have to share, share a narrative and also understand how far you can push it because you don't want to lose elections. They also share the narrative of how you need them. 
How they're going to be the great fighter for you. you. You see this on the left and the right, by the way. How you you gotta you gotta have me in Congress. Look, I know everyone else in Congress may suck, but you need me. You need me. I'll be your fighter. I'll bring jobs back. I'll defend the Constitution. I'll get Medicare for all. I'll stand up to Donald Trump. Whatever it is, you need me. Look at all the ads that are on on radio, on TV, on the internet. Do you ever see an ad from anyone that says you don't need them? You got this yourself? Do you ever see that? No. Why? Because if you, they say you don't need them, what's, what's enticing you to vote? What's enticing you to help them get elected? But here's the big part, because I see this girl Cortez get destroyed because of her economic policies. And go, well, how can you support socialism? You know, everywhere socialism has tried, it fails. You have to understand the bigger picture. They don't want free market economics. Heck, many on the right don't want free market economics. Free market economics is brilliant. You know why it's brilliant summed up in one sentence? It's because the power belongs with the people. The power belongs with each and every one of you. How you spend your money will define how good or bad the economy is. If you go out and spend your money on food, on cinema, on drink, on entertainment, on the rodeos, on concerts, guess what? You're creating jobs. If you're going to save it and go maybe on a holiday, you're creating jobs. Or if you decide, you know, things are really bad and you just decide to put it in the bank, that is all up to you. You control the economy. Each and every one of your actions or inactions will define how the economy grows. The truth is, no politician wants that. No politician wants that system. Every politician wants, you need me. I'm going to be the guider of the economy. If it goes good, it goes good. If it goes bad, it goes bad. You need me. You want them, the people to, to craft how the economy goes. Everywhere socialism has happened in a big scale has failed. It's ended in disaster. Why is that? Because government cannot control you. Or it can, it won't work. But socialism is in Ireland. It's in Europe. We're all socialist countries. You can have a moderate style of socialism and not end in Venezuela. It can happen. The difference is that over here, while we are a socialist nation, we are not totally opposed to people making money. It's just we don't want them to make too much. But here's where you have to understand this. Why they are not stupid is because in free market, you don't need politicians. You really don't. You know, that was the beauty of America and why America was an exceptional nation, because of your principles. Because the founders set up a system of government that is unique and not replicated anywhere in this world today or anywhere in the past. A system of government that says you don't need it. That we, yes, we have to have a government. We need a government, we need a strong centralized government that is extremely limited in focus. That you have 18 clauses of things you can do. That all powers in Congress, that you have a president that is nothing more than a a figurehead of government. Someone that you can see there over the government. But they don't have any power, powers in Congress. And Congress is extremely limited. It has 18 clauses. But Congress's job is not to give rights, that's not its job, it is to protect those rights. It's why your founders were incredible with the Bill of Rights. You have a right to free speech. You have a right to protect yourself. You have a right 
to be secure in your persons and your papers. Wait, the reason they are smart is because they know they can't get elected on that. They can't get any power. So what they have to do is they have to shape a narrative. They have to tell their stories. They have to use that emotional tug on you to get you to violate those principles, to get you to go against those, to move more towards a European type of socialism, to move more towards a bigger government, to move towards how the rest of the world has always operated, regardless of the ideology or the people in power or the type of government. That is why they are not stupid. And you have to believe me when I say this. If you think they are stupid... You are doing yourself and your movement a disservice. Never underestimate the enemy. Never underestimate who your opponent is. Underestimate them, you likely will lose. And if you believe in freedom, here's the blunt truth. You're losing a lot right now. But here's the other thing, why the founders are so important and why principles are so important. Because you have to take a step back. As people would say, but they're inconsistent. They, you know, what they say two years ago and what they say today are totally different. Yes. Why is that? Because the battle of the day is not left versus right. The battle of the day is not Republicans versus Democrats. The battle of the day is not liberal versus conservative. The battle of the day is something more eternal. It's happened since the start of mankind. It is the battle of man's law versus nature's law or nature's god or biblical principles whatever term you want to call it but nature's law is what the founders spoke about they believed and even if you don't agree with the founders 100 percent, or you don't like everything in the bill of rights or you're open into you know i think we should change some things they shouldn't be as strict okay but do you believe in something that something is sacrosanct that there is a set of principles even if we don't agree on what those principles are but a set of principles are eternal The beauty of the founders is they said, you know what? Yeah, we do. We believe these truths are self-evident, that all men are created equal, endowed by their creator with certain alienable rights, among those life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And then, that was 1776. Then in 1787, they started federalism and the Constitution. In 1791, they did the Bill of Rights. Again, you don't have to agree with all of them. But you have to understand that there is a premise that, you know what? That in 1791, these were true. Today, in 2019, they're still true. And in 2319, they'll still be true. Or if you believe in that Cortez lady, it's now 2019. And by 2031, when the world ends, because we're all dying in 12 years because of climate change. But those principles, free speech and set of principles that you believe in, will still be true when the world ends in 2031. That fundamental premise, the premise that they believe in, is the law of man. The man is does change. You go with the flow. You go with what happens, what's cool, what's hip. And if it makes you disagree with what you said 10 years ago, well, then guess what, baby? I've evolved. You know, I've, I've understood. I did some soul searching. I reflected. I was wrong then, but I'm right now. And guess what? If in 10 years changes again or it goes back to the way it was, they can just say, you know what? I just thought about that and I did some soul search and I was a bit quick to jump the gun and, you know, get out in front of that. But I was wrong. This is now when I'm right. And you don't have to believe me what I said then. Just believe me now. I'm right because you need me. A vote for me. But here's the second reason they are incredibly smart. And this is where I'm going to hit you with some truth. You have to understand our ideologies. You have to understand the premise for the success. What is needed for our ideologies, regardless of what ideology you have, to be successful? If you believe in real freedom, 
and you believe in any way, shape, or form the principles that your founders spoke about, the idea of nature's law and nature's God, you need to understand there are certain characteristics that are needed of a society for it to flourish. It just doesn't happen. There are certain characteristics that must be evident. What are they? First of all, you need freedom. You need freedom to be shared and explained to the next generation. You need responsibility. You need to understand that you know what? When things go wrong, and believe me, they will in your life, that it is the responsibility of you to fix them. But it is also your responsibility that when things go wrong in your life and other people's life, that there's a role for the church, that there's a role for your neighbors, that there's a role for your family, and that that is how you make society better, that that is how you advance in a society, that you are the steward of your future, good, bad, or indifferent. That is our ideology, if you believe in freedom. You need that to be there. You need that charitable good works. You need the invisible hand of the markets. Their ideology? For their ideology, the ideology of man, for the ideology of government, you need to basically get everyone to believe that there is no, you're not responsible. No, 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 that's government's job. Oh, no, there's litter on the street, that's government's job. Oh, there's a bit of grass outside your verge and it needs to be cut. Yeah, that's not your job, that's government's job. Oh, this this needs to be done and there's these people who are poor and and are having a bit of an issue down in your street. That's not your job. It's not the church's job. That's government's job. We got to give them benefits. How do they do this? And this is where they have been really, really smart. Yes, the left have been really smart and the right in some parts. How do you get their game plan to work? Well, you need to do two things and they have done them near perfectly. First, you need to dehumanize the individual to an extent where you are so divided and so hated towards each other because on a mere set of groups, mere of a characteristics of you that you can see, like race. Oh, well, you're white. You're, you're a Christian. You're straight. You, you're old. You're young. You're Gen Y. You're Gen X. You're a Manelian. That you belong into these groups. You sleep with women. You only sleep with men. You're transphobic. You're gay. That you have everyone so divided in their little clusters. And people do this on the right as well, where you divide, well, you didn't vote for Trump. You're a never-Trumper. You're a pro-Trumper. You divide yourself so much that you've lost your unum. But secondly, and this may be more importantly, and this is where everyone has done incredibly great work, if you want to be sick about it, under Donald Trump. To flourish government, to grow government, you also need to keep the people distracted. Distracted from the real issues. And that is what has happened under this president. I saw an incredible story. You know why I don't do politics anymore? You know why people go to me, why don't you ever talk about politics? Why don't you talk about the GOP and and how great they are and just blame the left? Why don't you ever get on board with what Trump says, why the media is fake? Look, the media sucks. I hate this idea that because I don't get on board with the language of this president, that I'm all of a sudden a media defender. I think the media suck. Do you want a prime example of that? This week, I saw one of the most ridiculous stories I think I have ever seen. And you know what? I will call out the president on this. Not him directly, his team. His team were stupid enough to respond to this story. Do you know what the story was? The story was from, I think it was BuzzFeed. Well, you know, 
the government has been shut down and Trump hasn't left DC and it's been really cold and yet he's still rather orange. I think he uh I think he uses sunbeds. Now, in a normal world, in a normal world, you know what happens? If you if you're the press secretary's team and you get that call from the media, do you know what my answer is? This is my answer. Hi, this is this is so-and-so from the Fudbead. Would you comment on President that you serve? You know, he hasn't left D.C. in a long time, and he's still rather orange. You know, is he using sunbeds? My answer is, is this serious? Are you punking me? And then if they actually said, yeah, we're media, I'd be going, of all the things right now you could talk about, even from an anti-Trump point of view, from, hey, the wall to the budget to the government shutdown to all the stories of the people who haven't had money because, of the, you know, the government shut down, all the back pay, all the issues... You know, Nancy Pelosi, you're really talking to me about, hey, does he sunbed himself? And then I'd hang up. And then I'd, I don't know whether this is legal or ethical because there's rules in the White House. I'd then probably get on Twitter going, the fake, the stupid media just called me about this story. This is how incredibly desperate they are for a story. It must be a slow news day in BuzzFeed. Did that happen? No. They responded going, it's in his genes. They keep you distracted. Look at all the stories that you have invested time in over the last... Six months, 12 months, 18 months, two years. And it was the same under Obama, by the way. Look at all the stories of all the BS. Look at all the little stories that didn't really matter. That you got emotionally involved in. Where's the emotion and connection to real big issues? To free market? To let's get government out of the way? Remember the old lane Reagan used to use? The most fearful words in the world? Hey, I'm from the government, I'm here to help. This is the problem that we have in our society right now. They are not stupid. They are very smart. Underestimate the left at your peril. Because trust me, they have a game plan. They have a very big game plan. And if you think it's stupid, go for it. I don't think it's stupid. I think it's immoral. I think it's wrong. I think it's dangerous. And I will do everything I can to fight anyone who promotes tyranny anyone who violates the constitution and anyone who does not understand why America is an exceptional nation continue on from the last premise and make want to make a point about elections i want you to think about something because you've all just had elections there in 2018 and it's now 2019 and everyone's gearing up for 2020 i hear the democrats i see a lot of people announcing i see uh, i am spartacus as announced i see camilla harris she's like yeah i slept away and i got a few jobs with the old mayor but hey who doesn't do this no big deal nothing to see here and you'll see over the next couple of weeks, you'll see many other people get involved. I'm sure Bernie 2020, feel the burn, man, will be there. I'm sure, hey, I'm a Native American who likes to drink beer, but, you know, I'll pretend to drink beer, but I don't really like beer. What the hell am I drinking? Elizabeth Warren is probably going to run. You know, I heard, you know, because gosh darn it, you know, she just has not been rejected enough in her life. You know, bless her cotton socks. Hillary Clinton isn't ruling out a run. You'll have all the playbook. You'll have all the playbook running for 2020. But I actually don't want to talk about the candidates. I want to talk to you about the people. I want to talk to you about people on all sides of the aisle. You know, when you're voting for someone, whether it's president, whether it's in Congress, whether it's senator, whether it's local representative, what's important? What's actually important to you? 
you know, you'll hear people, you'll hear stump speeches. You know, I'm sure Camilla Harris and Cory Booker, you know, well, we need a fairer society. You know, you'll hear some line along the lines of, well, the rich don't pay enough and they got to pay their fair share. How, you know, you're down in the dumps because someone stood on you and, you know, took advantage of you. And it's all about the man. The evil man is always getting you. I'm sure in different sectors you'll hear about, hey, it's Whitey's fault. You know, actually, in, in fairness, what you'll hear is people like me, it's all our fault. You know, I'm white, I'm Christian, and I'm straight. It's all our fault. Apparently, we've ruined the world. You'll hear all these different societies. You know, on the right, you might hear about, you know, build that wall. You might hear about the economy. And you'll hear all these people on social media and in the media talking about how these things are, you know, great or bad, or they'll be foreign against them. And you'll have all these discussions. But what's actually important to you? Because I don't know how we do this. I think we need to have a conversation, not about the elections, but about what's actually important. Because one of the frustrating things for me is the most important thing for an elected representative is never ever discussed. You'll never see anyone hold them to account to do this. And guess what? You'll very rarely, if ever, hear them say, this is why you should vote for me. Do you know what that is? It's the one thing they take a note for. It's the one thing that they take a note and they put their hands on a Bible or a Quran and say, I will preserve, defend, and protect the Constitution of the United States. When have you ever heard someone say that? Why have you ever heard saying, you know what, vote for me because I actually will vote for the Constitution every vote I do. Or, hey, you need to re-vote for me, re-elect me, because I always upheld the Constitution. I never violated it once. Now, is there some people who may think that? Sure, maybe. Again, I don't know their hearts, I don't know. But would people really accept that? Would people actually really accept it? If you actually read Article 2 of the Constitution, and you actually go through it, let's just go through the presidency, because he's the most powerful man in the world. And this is not about Donald Trump, this is about the principles. If you actually had someone running tomorrow and said, you know what, I'm going to run for president. I'm going to run for the Republican Party or the Libertarian Party, ever what party it is, doesn't matter. And they just said, you know what, you see Article 2? I think that's Article 2 is perfect. That's what I'm going to do. I'm not going to, I'm going to have all power in Congress. I'll meet with people. I'll be the head of state, but I'll have no power. I will not do any new executive orders. That make new new legislation. All legislation must be done through Congress. It's not up to my job. I may go give speeches of how I'd like to see the Constitution or government run. And maybe have a few speeches on policy. But I'm not going to enforce them. It's up to Congress to do it. And if Congress decides, if uh, after me speaking, that I think we should do X, Y, and Z. And they just say, hell no. We're going to do A, B, and C. I'm going to respect that. Because they have a mandate just like I do. But if any bill comes across my desk that is unconstitutional, I will veto it. All tariffs, all taxes should be done through Congress. All power should be done through Congress. And I will go through everything in every law. And if it's unconstitutional, I will veto it. I believe it is my job as, you know, the commander in chief, the president's article two power is as much a job to violate, not to violate the constitution. I don't believe in punting it up to the Supreme Court. Do you think that would get elected? Honestly, honest question. Do you think you're, there would be a big clamoring for people to vote for that person? 
Or do you think people have become so used to the presidency, being the most powerful man in the world, where you have to talk about walls, you have to talk about tariffs, you have to talk about the economy? We have an honest question here. What happens? Because you have two choices. Either you can continue on the path that you're on, continue on it, and you'll continue becoming more and more like Europe. And yeah, you can be a great country. You can be a brilliant country. You can still be the greatest country in the world. You won't be unique and you won't be exceptional. You'll just be like everyone else. You just happen to do government better than everyone else. Even if you actually listen to our friends on the left, where they talk about making government more efficient and streamlining things and all these different things, they don't talk about it too much. But when they do, if you listen to them, still not making America exceptional. Is that the aim? Because what I've actually come to understand and actually get sad over is I don't know how many people truly want the America I love. I don't know how many people really actually want that government. I don't actually know how many people want America to be individualistic, who don't want government everywhere. I think everyone loves their version of freedom, but when it comes to the freedoms they don't like, they all get very iffy on it. And they all of a sudden start needing government. That is where I think the big difference is. Is we have become so used, the normalcy is in America, is government. You've become used to the commander-in-chief, the most powerful man in the world, the biggest pulpit. And whatever the presidency says goes. Both sides have done this. This is not a new thing. This is not a Trump thing. Obama did this. Bush did this. Clinton did this. Do you really want to be exceptional? This is a question I think I, can, I can't do. I'm not an American, but I think you need to do some soul searching over. What do you really want? Do you want to just be comfortable? Do you want to be comfortable? Do you want to care about your stuff? Or do you want to be exceptional and unique again? Do you want to fulfill the promises and the checks your founders wrote back in 1776? Do you want to return to nature's law? Do you want to return to limited government? Do you want to return to federalism? Because if you do, one of the first steps or one of the steps on that journey is understanding that an elected official, his job, their only job, they don't take an oath to defend the economy. They don't take an oath to defend the country. They don't take an oath to defend global warming or attack global warming. They don't take an oath to, you know, give you fairness. They don't take an oath for a better society for criminal justice reform they only take one oath to defend preserve and protect the constitution of the united states but that is never discussed why is that Before we continue, I just wanted to give you a few programming notes. This is going to be the last show for a couple of weeks because, uh, in case you don't know or you haven't been following me on social media, I'm taking a vacation. I'm going to your wonderful country. I'm also giving speeches in many parts across Texas and Oklahoma. And if you're in that area, drop me a message and I'll give you the details if you'd love to come and, you know, hear what a crazy Irish guy has to say about your country and, and maybe meet and, you know, we might be grabbing food afterwards and everyone's welcome. I, the cities I'm in is I'm in Tulsa, Oklahoma. I'm in Houston. I'm in San Antonio. I'm in Austin. 
I'm in Palestine, I'm in Houston, I'm in Harris County, so I'm all around the area, and I cannot wait to get among your people again. I am, I'm so excited to vacate, to get on vacation. I'm literally like, hey, I'm a week. You know, I have a whiteboard. If you've seen my office, I have whiteboards all over, you know, how I work. I, I've been on this countdown to this trip for like 90 days. I'm now, when I'm recording this show, I'm on seven days out, and I'm so excited. But because there's no show, I'm traveling. I don't have access to, you know, microphones and, you know, equipment to do this show. And I might even have access to good internet to transport the shows over to the Blaze so they can edit them. But I will be on social media a lot. So um, I'll be doing Facebook Lives as, you know, as news happens. So please follow me. I'm on Twitter, Freedom Disciple. On Facebook, Jonathan Dunn 58 Send me a friend request. Give me a follow. I will follow back eventually. Sometimes it does take me a bit of time. But I love engaging with you. I want to keep hearing from you. But I'm not going anywhere. I just, things are changing. And with the next two weeks, I don't know if I'll have time to do a show. If something breaks and it's major, we might do a show if I can, but I'll definitely be doing Facebook Live. So please follow me there, you know, in, in, interact with me. And I can't wait to meet some of you. And also, I can't wait to get some over there to get some good food. I miss some barbecue. Uh, so the, all the weight I've lost over the last couple of years might be going back on. <laughs> I might lose control. I might like see, oh, I might see all so many, so much food that I love barbecue, especially. So I want to talk to you about something that I, a question I get all the time, and I get it from all sides, from all different angles. Last week, I got it from my friends on the right. I got it because of these horrific abortion bills in New York, in Vermont, in North Carolina. And everyone always goes along the lines of, but John, our country's headed down the path. The country you love isn't around anymore. You know, you shouldn't want to come here. You know, I had it in 2016 when Trump got elected for my friends on the left going, why would you ever want to come to America when Trump is president? I had it for the prior eight years when Obama was in office. Why would you still want to come to America? Obama's president. Oh, my God. I had it in 20, t- 2008 when Obama and the, the House, the Democrats won the House and the Senate. Why would you want to come over under a Democratic president? Why would you want to come over a Democratic House? And everything always revolves around your politics. Look, if you are a long-term listener to this show, you know I don't like your politics. I don't talk about it because I hate it. I don't like the division it causes. I don't like the whole idea of, you know, the personalities involved. I don't like the principles. I don't like the lack of principles. I disagree with a lot of them. If you're a long-term listener, you know this. Even by even if I didn't say I disagreed with the politics, you see what's happening in your country and then you hear what I talk about. There's clearly, whether I'm right or they're right, it doesn't matter. But there's clearly a big difference of opinion on how I see America and how they see America. But for me, the frustrating thing is how many people want to see, well, America's politics is bad right now. America's, America's damned because of this abortion bill. That you shouldn't want to come over here. Why do I love America? Why do I want to be part of your country? One, I'll just I'll be straight with you. One, I love the idea of America. The idea, not the country, the idea. The principles I speak about on a daily basis. The principles I talk about every week on this show. I love them. I hope that comes across. I'm very passionate about freedom. I'm very passionate about the Constitution. You know, this is not a radio voice of how this is, you know, this is me putting it on and trying to, you know, sound a certain way. This is me how I talk when I talk about America. I love it. I love your nation. I love the principles it was founded on. I love the history. I'm seven days away from going on vacation. I'm Other people, when they go on vacation, guess what they do? They may go to Disney World. They may go lie on a beach somewhere. Guess what I do? 
I was supposed to go over to your country. I don't want to get into the, the details of it. I was supposed to be traveling to your country for a totally different reason. I had a purpose in mind. It didn't happen. It didn't work out. Guess what? I could have just said, you know what? That didn't work out. Cool. Well, I'm there for two weeks. I'm on vacation anyway. Just kind of lays out. Going to hang out. You know, go see a few sites. Go see a few things. Guess what? I'm not that type of person. Because that's boring to me. When I found out I was going to be there and my plans fell through, I was like, let's retouch out to some groups. Let's see if people want to hear me speak. I speak for free. I pay the cost. This trip has got more expensive because I'm going to go speaking. Because of fuel and accommodations and different things. I've got six four-hour-plus drives. I don't care. I'm not complaining. I love it. I can't wait. It's the price I pay for admission to speak. This is who I am. This is what I love. You could put anyone in the White House. I'll still want to come become part of your nation. Because I love the idea of it. But secondly, I love your people. There's a reason why each and every week, one of the last things you hear me say is America is great because Americans are good. You are not a great nation, or you don't. I don't want to be part of an American generation or an American country that is great because of a president. I've said this before. I love George Washington more than most people. I will compete with Glenn Beck for how much I love George Washington, and I—that's not me just saying. That's not hyperbole. That's the truth. I've said this to him. We've had this conversation. I'm like, I think I, I think I love George Washington more than you do. Now he pulls out all the artifacts, the compass and stuff, and then I'm like, oh, okay. Well, you have all the artifacts, but I have the love. I have the feelings. You know, hey, maybe I'm a Democrat. I, 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 I can tug on the heart motions. That's what I go for. I go for the feelings of George Washington. He goes for the possessions, the capitalist. But I don't. If George Washington, if they came out way to you know dig up his body, get his brain, and reconnect it to a monkey body, and then have him president, I, it's not going to change how much I want to be part of America. Or make me want to be American more. I want to be American more than always, than the same amount as always. It's been a lifelong dream. Why? Because of the idea, but because of your people. Because when I'm over there, even though you're this horrible online, where you hate each other online, when you're on the ground, you're just good, honest people. When it comes to bad events happening, you're good, honest people. You help each other. You have that sense of community. But from a selfish point of view, as someone who their whole life has felt that they don't belong somewhere, who is an outsider. Even in my own family, I'm like, I don't belong here. In America, I feel like I belong. You think that having a politician in the White House or passing a certain law, even though it's horrific, it's wrong, it's immoral, you think that can change my feelings for America? You think that can change it or change those desires? It can't. I want to be part of your country. I want to serve part of your country. And in fact, if I may be honest with you, because I love your country so much, because things are so bad right now, because things are hurting right now, that makes me want to get over there more. Because I feel like I can make a difference. I can make a positive impact. It makes me want to be there more. Because I feel I could help. Because I see so many people's chips down. I want to be a voice of encouragement. I want to be a voice of, hey, you know what? America is an exceptional nation, but not only be like the cheerleader, the hey, America's great. I don't want to just be that. I want to be the person who says, America is great, and here's why. Here's why. Here's why America is exceptional, factually. Here's why America is unique, factually. Sure, I'll talk on your heartstrings with emotion and, and great stories about the Revolutionary War and about the ideas, but I'll also prove it factually. That's who I want to be. 
In fact, if you got to a point where all the principles I talk about, you'd return to your founding principles. I'm not saying I'd want to be a part of your country less, but I wouldn't feel the urgency to get over there. But like, look, you guys are so fine. Everyone knows the Constitution. History is well thought. Honest history is well thought. Freedom is glowing in America. Y'all don't need me. I just want to be part of it. That is why I love America. And no politician, no politician or no political law will make me change it or change that desire to get over there. I love you. And I am going to get there eventually. I want to finish up today's show by talking to you from the heart. You know, this year has been a roller coaster, and maybe in time I'll, I'll share a lot of the stuff that's going on in my life. I just don't want to bore you because it's, everyone has problems. It's, it's been hard. There's been a lot of... I started this year on such a high because I finally became debt-free and You know, I said to y'all, this is the year I'm going to become an American, or not become an American, but live over there with you. And I, honestly, ever since, it's been one long low. It's got to the point where I just can't wait to get away. I just, I need a mental break. I need to be among your people. I need to, to talk about, to people who are passionate about your country. This week, and particularly today has been really hard. It's been really hard because we lost a great man this week. And we lost a man who was great, but was also good. This Wednesday, we lost Doc Thompson. Doc Thompson, who used to be part of the Blaze family, he was the morning Blaze, him and Skip Lacombe going back all those years ago, and then the show changed with different hosts, you know, Brad Staggs was there, Chris Cruz was there, Cal was there, what I learned today, you know, in this industry, there's, you know, inside baseball, this industry is incredible. It will find you out. And eventually, it may take a week, it may take a month, it may take a year, it may take 20 years, but you will be found out. And this industry, and when I talk, say this industry, let me be very specific. Conservative talk radio is filled with a bunch of phonies. It's filled with a bunch of jackasses who don't care about anything but their own fame, their own fortune, their own bank account. It's filled up with people who think they're better than everyone else, who their greatness and your level of greatness comes in the hits you get, in how many listeners you have, how many followers you have. You see this, I see people comparing it. How many followers have you got? 
I've been asked this question so many times and my answer is I have none. I never want a follower in my life. Doc Thompson was the exact opposite. Doc Thompson was a man who was humble, who was kind, and was always givous and generous of his time. I never forget, you know, when I joined the Blaze, geez, nearly four years ago, July 2016, 2015, sorry. I joined, and what what used to happen there was, you know, you'd get on Glenn's show, and hey, you know, here's a new podcast, and have, you know, 15, 20-minute spot. But because of the week I was launching, Glenn wasn't around, so Doc was filling in for him as he regularly did on the show. And, you know, I had a great time with Doc and Skip. And, you know, they introduced my show, they gave me a plug, and it was it was awesome. And, you know, there was a few texts exchanged, a few emails exchanged. Then when... I can't remember what year it was. It was a year after, I think it was. I was with the company, and I was going over on vacation, and I was going to do some public speaking as well. It was my first tour. It was It was actually January 2016, three years ago. And I was only with the company, and I'm a nobody. I'm just a guy who's written, who loves your country, doing a small show on The Blaze, and I, you know, Doc found out, and, you know, he was like, you know, you're in Dallas? I was like, yeah, I'm going to Dallas. I'm here on these dates. I'm going to this to do this speaking here and here, and... He's like, why don't you come out by the studios and hang out? And I was like, oh, okay, cool, that'd be awesome. He's like, no, well, our show, you know our show is 6 to 9, before Glenn, come and hang out with us. You're more than welcome, come anytime you want. And of course, when you hear come and hang out, you think maybe be in a green room, you might see them. You know, these guys didn't know me from Adam, they'd never met me, they'd spoken to me. But they let me hang out with them. I was literally, for I can't remember, it was a three, four, five, maybe four, four days a week, I literally just sat the whole show with them. And during the breaks, we'd have chat and we'd talk about the issues of the day and have a bit of fun. He was a genuinely good guy. You know, I don't get involved in the bickering or the, you know, the calling out people. It's not my job. And I don't care. If you want to be a fake and you want to be a phony, and I don't care. That's between you and your listeners and your audience. And if you see everyone as a follower, then if you're a follower of them and they see you that way, then that's up to you. I don't really care. I'm very laissez-faire about that. But Doc was one of the good people. I will only ever share the people who I think are really good. Doc was incredible. He was kind. And the world lost a good guy. In a world where ego is everything, where so many people will tell you behind the scenes, go on, I've been told this, just say you're all right all the time. Act like you know everything. Act like you are just everything to everyone. You are the best. You go online and you every opportunity you get, you tell everyone how great you are. You, I don't do this. I, 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 if you, know, you want to talk about being a fraud, if I ever do that, I'm a fraud. And I expect you all to call me out on it. Doc wasn't that type either. He was just a good, honest person. He was smart. He was funny. He was witty. He wanted the truth. His family lost a great man. Our world lost a great man. And the conservative movement and the freedom movement lost a leader, a giant
And some of us lost a friend and brother. Our prayers go out to him and his family. He leaves behind three kids and a wife. But what I really want to speak to you about is kind of what I spoke to you about earlier on in the show. When I spoke to you about, you know, Cortez and how people get power. They want to keep you divided and they want to keep you distracted. You know, this week... Obviously, we lost Doc, but even a this person's not famous or no one knows him, but a buddy of mine in work. He was off on Tuesday, and I didn't know why, and I spoke to him on Wednesday. I was like, hey, you were off yesterday, having an okay? And he was like, ah, just had a funeral to go to. And I went, oh, is everything okay? You know, who died? And he's like, ah, one of my best friends died. And I went, geez, I'm so sorry. And he's my, you know, he's slightly older than me. He's like, yeah, and I went, just started talking. He's like, who, what, what happened? And he's like, he's 14, he died of cancer. You know, this year, we've lost Doc. Jeffy had a heart attack. You know, Glenn's had his health issues in the past. Pat's had his health issues. You know, if you listen to nothing else at today's show, I implore you just to think about something. What's important in life? What's actually really important to you? You know, look at how you scroll through your own timeline sometime on Twitter, on Facebook, and just share and look at it and go, is this who I really am? Am I, do I really, is this really important? Is this really what I want to spend my time on? Is this what I want to get distracted by? Or do I want to do something more meaningful? But also, and I know, Pete, this might fall on deaf ears to some, but if it touches one person and makes you move, it's worth it. You know, one of the saddest things I see online is I've lost, you know, my friend of 30 years unfriended me on Facebook because we disagree on politics. I like Trump and he doesn't. Or I see the world a different way and we're unfriended. You know, this world will find every reason to make you hate each other. This week, losing Doc and hearing about my work colleague's friend at 40 dying of cancer makes you question makes me emotional you're not guaranteed anything in this life everyone wants to tell you you're entitled to something really the truth is you're entitled to nothing you're not even entitled to a certain amount of time in this earth you're not even entitled to know when things could go wrong for you or when your life is going to end There are no guarantees. Doc went out running. Fully expecting to come back. Fully expecting to be at another meeting. That afternoon. Fully expecting to continue on his radio show and doing what he was doing. Growing Mojo 5.0. We're not guaranteed anything. And it can be taken 
like that. I would ask you to look inward this weekend and do some self-reflection. Who have you lost touch with because of politics? Who have you lost touch with because they see the world a different way than you do? Who have you lost touch with because maybe some words are shared in anger and hatred or frustration? Think about it. It's not too late. If you're breeding, you can change course. If you're breeding, no matter what has been said in the past, you can reach out to a friend. Maybe it's not received. Maybe it's not returned. But life is short. Life is precious. Hug your kids a bit tighter this weekend. And if there's something you need to tell someone, if you need to say you're sorry to someone or tell someone to love them, don't wait. Reach out and tell them now. Because life is so short. Life is so cruel. And life will... Life waits for no man. No woman. Life respects not your creed, not your race, not your gender, not your sexuality, not your age. When life comes calling, whether you're ready or not, it's time. Do all you can to be a positive influence in society. To be a person of honor. Or do what's important to you. But also be a person who loved other people. And on that note, I want to share. I didn't want to finish on a bad note. I wanted to finish on a positive note. You, You who listen to this show, who support the stuff I do each and every week. We did a campaign last year. You may remember we, I sold hoodies and T-shirts. They're still available, by the way, on freedomsdisciple.com. But all the profits went to Mercury One. I'm going over to, to Texas next week, and I will be giving them $375 of your profit. I also did a fundraiser early in the year, and we raised over $400. So between the two events, we'll have given over $800 to Mercury One, the Nazarene Fund. That is because of you, not because of me, but because of you. From the bottom of my heart, thank you. We're going to continue doing more fundraisers and trying to make a difference. But we will make a difference in society, not because you're my followers or you're my audience, but because we're family. And I don't care how many people listen to the show, whether it's one, whether it's thousand, whether it's a million. We are a family and we are going to make a difference and a positive impact in society. You have helped save people by purchasing hoodies and t-shirts. So from the bottom of my heart, thank you so much. As I said earlier on, this is the last show for a couple of weeks because I'm over in your country. I'll be doing loads of Facebook Lives probably and Twitter. Get engaged with me. I'll be keeping you all updated on Twitter, Freedom Disciple. On Facebook, Jonathan Dunn 58 If you're in Tulsa, San Antonio, Austin, Dallas, uh, Houston, Harris County, drop me a message, drop me a follow. I'll give you the details, but I'll be releasing them. But if you want to know where they are in advance, please drop me a message and you're more than welcome. It'd be a great speech. It'd be a great, sorry, it won't be a great speech. It'll hopefully be a great speech, but it'd be a great group of people. Lots of things to discuss and there'll be question and answer sessions where you can ask me any question you want. And also then we can go grab some food. So it's going to be great. Please consider checking it out if you're in the area. 
until a couple of weeks time America we finish this show the way we do all the time we salute your heroes in society your police your firefighters your emergency personnel and your vets and we also salute Doc Thompson a giant in our industry a giant before his time and I salute you the great American people never ever forget America is great because Americans are good God bless Freedom versus freebies. This is Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on the Blaze Radio Network.